Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield. This is a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I am joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. How are you doing today, Chad? I'm doing okay. You know, uh, after that, whatever that match was yesterday, thanks, referee, for costing us probably a win in what I thought was a really good United performance. I'm doing okay. How are you, Noah? Well, I'm feeling much better. So for those of you who weren't aware, I got COVID last week and um, I had I, I was like fine for the majority of the week. But right after we recorded on Wednesday night for re- reviewing our game against QPR, it hit me the hardest. And, um, you know, Thursday I was supposed to be editing the podcast to get it out. And I was just completely beat. Couldn't get it out. I wanted enough time for for people to be able to listen to it so we opted instead to just uh scrap that episode and and put it out this episode instead reviewing our match yesterday against Bournemouth and like you said I I mean I think it was two points snatched from us basically we were absolutely robbed in this game should have had a stonewall pen there in the whatever it was the 86th minute after Morgan Gibbs White was absolutely chopped down in the box but I kicked him the nuts yeah exactly exactly right right in the uh in the testicles <laughs> 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 that'll get spoofed on tufty club <laughs> <laughs> he kicked him right in the nuts <laughs> so i mean i i thought it was a good enough performance i think we did everything that we probably needed to 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 win that game we just we had multiple chances to put it away and just couldn't and Bournemouth had again we have been very solid defensively and Bournemouth really didn't have anything going the other way they had a handful of half chances one decent like uh chance where I, I can't remember who it was it might have been Christie tried to dink West Fodderingham put the ball over and he caught it on 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 the goal line basically so but again I didn't think it was a bad performance and in light of the results that happened after our game yesterday, I think it was a good point taken, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's almost like Bournemouth is getting ready for the Premier League based on every time the wind blew there were, and one of their players fell down, it was a foul. Yeah. And I thought that wasn't like they only committed 14 fouls and we committed 18. I mean, it didn't even seem like the numbers were that close. But it seemed like every time they would turn their back to a, the, the ball and any sort of pressure would come from a United player, they would just go down and would just be like, where's the foul? And then I think there was a handful of occasions where, like, obviously McBurney always looks like he got shot when he goes down, and they never called for a foul there. And I think there was a one where John Fleck, he, like, really theatrically just – fell on the ground and he didn't get called but it just seemed like they were doing it on the other side and the ref was like yeah that's a foul that's a foul that's a foul yeah this referee um i can't remember his name offhand he put in a matthew donahue like performance and we all know what i think of matthew donahue yeah that was that was a rough one man he i almost wonder you know you hear the the analogy of okay, this game got picked up for big TV, so it's a it's the lunchtime kickoff. 
you know, these refs have been bringing their careers up and they get a big game like Bournemouth, Sheffield United. They want to almost make it known that, hey, they're out there instead of like just doing their job and kind of flying beneath the radar and not having every single follow call and not having controversy like this. They feel like if they do that, like calling fouls and all this stuff, it gets more camera time for them, and they're going to get picked up and pegged up the ladder to go into the Premier League, which I don't I, – I can't see that. It, it just seems like there's too many – I don't know. They're almost like Hollywood stars in this league, like yeah. referees that just want to have like acting jobs and be like, oh, look, I can ref the Prem. Why don't you pick me? So I don't know. It's just for these these – Big games, and especially, you know, the big ones coming up, like the playoffs and the playoff final. In my honest opinion, you got to look at the resume of all these these refs throughout the season and say, okay, this guy didn't act like an ass on t- when he was on live TV. This guy did good. This, you know, they got to evaluate that, and they probably do. But I'm just sick and tired. It seems like the talent in the EFL as a referee from – like the championship all the way to league two has just been atrocious Yeah, because every every podcast that I listen to that covers those leagues at some point during the weekend in one of the games that's going on, it's like, there's a refereeing debacle. And it's like, I don't know if there's like a shortage of them. So they're having to rely on these people that aren't very good, but it just seems like it's every single weekend. There's a game that gets messed up because of a referee. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about, I think is kind of a, Sort of a cynical approach to refereeing, you know, I mean, thinking of yourself, how can I get to the next level? You know, how can I get moved up the ladder to where I'm refereeing Premier League games on a consistent basis? I'm sure the take is better. I'm I'm 100% sure the pay is better. But at the same time, imposing yourself on the game like the referee did yesterday, I... Again, I just think it's a very cynical manner by which one can referee a game. Yeah. Yeah, and the best analogy is the the best referee is the one that's not even seen. Right. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that point, Chad. So what do you say we get into it here? The first real action of this game came as Dominic Solanke got a good throw in at the byline and drove towards Fodderingham's goal. But Ben Davies made a really good tackle to put the ball out. Uh, I mean, Solanke had beaten both Johnny Egan and Philip Uremovic on, uh, you know, at the byline there. And then the left center back comes in for a last ditch tackle to prevent a cross from going in, you know, getting more center of the box there. We had a little bit of shaky moments, but for the most part, I think we've played pretty solid in this game. And you got to, I mean, the, the new guy coming in there, he's not afraid to throw a tackle in. And, you know, John Egan, I don't know. I'm starting to fall, kind of fall out of favor with him. You know, he's becoming more susceptible to, you know, these more attacking styles. And I guess because we're playing such a high line that if they do put a through ball, he's like hanging on for dear life and it never kind of ends up well. So I don't, I don't know, but I mean, all in all, we did play solid. We got, what our 17th clean sheet of the season, which is pretty remarkable. I think we're tied for first now with that with 17 clean sheets. So you have to give them credit. It's just when we get exposed, we get beat like a drum. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of am inclined to agree with your position on John Egan. It does look like maybe he's lost a step out there, which is a little disappointing. But at the same time, he's not a liability, you know? No. He, he's not no. a defensive liability like, I don't know, say a, a Jack Robinson was last year. I'm yeah. not even talking about 2021, 2022 Jackie Longthrow. I'm talking about 2020, 2021. He's not, he's not a liability out there. I mean, he just puts in a solid shift. And I, yeah, he's made a few mistakes this year that have cost us goals. Uh, I'm thinking about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, yeah, that I, he basically. Well, Coventry. I yeah. think he got opened up like a can against Coventry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, again, I just, I don't think it's, it, he's been poor enough to warrant you know, maybe looking for another center back, center playing no. center back next year. So in the seventh minute, Norwood from the freaking halfway line pinged in arguably one of his best passes of the season to Stevens on the left-hand side. He put in a first-time cross looking for Ollie McBurney, who got ahead to it, but headed it way, way wide. I mean, absolutely gorgeous play from Norwood and Stevens, but McBurney was perhaps just a step or two behind the ball uh, from being able to get a decent chance on on ball, basically. Yeah, and it was... I kind of felt like this game was a throwback to the the wilder days, didn't you? Because I just got that, I just got like kind of that vibe. That's how, like how we were playing at that moment. I was like, I mean, I understand we got different players in there, but it almost feels like we went back to a, a it had a wilder type vibe. And I don't know why. It's just like we relied more. And this Stevens was getting better chances Baldock was doing his normal thing Norwood was playing good Fleck was playing good it just it kind of felt like it was that type of vibe yeah yeah no absolutely I mean the players who made it for us in that first year in the Premier League I think put in a good shift Eighth minute, Slanky won a free kick uh, about 30 yards out. Christie took that free kick, but it misses everybody and goes out for a goal kick for United. And the first half was, as we said earlier, mired by lots and lots of fouls in the first 20 minutes or so, and neither side really able to get a good foothold in the game. But in the 15th minute, Ollie Norwood put in a pass for Morgan Gibbs-White, who marauded to the top of the box before taking a shot that was blocked. And then in the 20th minute, United win a corner after Morgan Gibbs-White puts in a pass looking for McBurney that Lloyd Kelly almost steers into the back of his own net. John Fleck took the ensuing corner. It's a worked corner that finds Norwood, who was trying for two goals in two games, and he takes it off the, off the volley, and it sails high and wide to the right. I mean, we've tried that countless times. It's only worked the once. I mean, it... Norwood's goal was uh, in the last game was a little bit different. This was like, you know, sailed high and taken off the volley. But mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I, I do like that we're continuing to try these these uh, training ground sorts of like free kicks and corners because let's face it. I mean, how many corners have we scored off of this year? I think only a handful. Yeah, not many. I mean, but you got to realize, too, the opposing teams are going to pick up on this. And sooner rather than later, we're just going to go and back to a normal corner or taking a short corner and trying to work from something from there. Yeah. Because, I mean, what it, how many games have we been trying these, these training ground corners and we've scored off of one of them? That's yeah. a pretty bad conversion rate. So, I mean, yeah, if it goes in, it goes in. That's cool. But 
you know, we got to try and work something. And maybe that's where we look to towards next year to get taller in the box and get taller defenders to try and go up and head those. Yeah. Well, I will say this in this game, we did take a variety of corners. We, we took short corners, we took worked corners, and then we just lumped it into the box to see if anybody could get ahead to it. So, I mean, I think keeping the the defense on their toes and asking questions by trying a variety of, of different corner routines, I think is important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I quickly want to just point out the amazing work that Clean Sheet West did um, in, in this game. At one point, he got a pass all the way down the pitch to Enda Stevens, who put in a cross for the law firm. But Jefferson Lerma was there, and he put it out of play for a corner for United. But Stevens, he pulled that ball back. And if, if Morgan Gibbs-White had like maybe one or two steps on Lerma, he probably would have gotten a shot away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... West did play good. He's getting more confident. I mean, you can see the number the number of clean sheets keep racking up, and it, with every game, he gets more brings more confidence, which is good. I like where we're headed with this. You know, that means okay, if we were to go up, we'd probably get another goalkeeper. But you know, I'm okay if we stay in this league with having him, and you know, maybe we just get a solid backup. You know, to keep some pressure on him too. Well, I, I mean, we have Adam Davies at this point, but yeah. at, at the same time, I, he is a backup and he's out of contract, I think, come summer. Yeah. I think yeah. we basically got a lot, like, a, a, not a real loan, but a de facto loan for him. That's basically what it was, yeah. And we'll see if we sign him in the summer, if the money is right. Probably <laughs> won't be. We probably won't sign anybody. We'll see. (laughs) Anyway, on the ensuing corner, Norwood put in a brilliant ball for Uremovic, who headed it looking for Egan. But Kelly is there again to hit it out of play for another corner. And I think it went off the bar this time. So almost two own goals from Lloyd Kelly very early on in this game. Yeah, it was. uh, He definitely was not scared to shoot. And he was also not scared to get fouled as well. So Fleck took uh, that the final corner from this like you know little grouping of three corners, and it was cleared out only so far as Stevens, who put it back into the box with another cross, but it's headed out and Dembele got on it. Stevens fouled him, and uh, it's a good foul because it would have launched a counterattack, and Stevens got a yellow card for his troubles there. Twenty-six minute, Christie took a free kick. And it went off several Bournemouth players before it finds Phillips, who tries a shot in the box that misses to the right and out of play. I think it took a little deflection off of a United defender. I can't remember who. 27th minute off of a throw deep in Bournemouth's half. Stevens gets it to the law firm Morgan Gibbs-White, who tries a cross looking for McBurney. It's caught by the Cherries keeper, Travers. And then there's some pushing from Travers on McBurney. And... Uh, all he gets in his face and tells him what he thinks of him. And I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that he's a lovely bloke and that he would like to invite him over for tea at some point. Yeah, right. You're probably going to probably hit him like he's done in numerous accounts um, from Twitter, apparently, what, about six months ago. But uh, one one thing with Bournemouth keeper, Mark Travers, he's a good keeper. I mean, he literally kept them in the game yeah. because what were there's there was two clear-cut chances that – with the law firm, and he stonewalled him on both of them. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. he played good for them. He definitely saved them. I, I mean, 
he obviously had the, I'd say, t- harder day between the two goalkeepers because I don't – I mean – even though the, the possession in this game was split 50-50, I felt like we controlled it a lot more. You know, that's what I picked up. Definitely I looked at the, the stats half. after the game. Yeah, I looked at the at the stats. I was like 50-50. I was like, well, I felt like we were more in control. But, I mean, the stats obviously don't lie. But, yeah, he uh, he was the more worked goalkeeper, even though we only had two registered shot on target. Yeah, I think that we had like 70-30 in the first half, and then they had Mm -hmm. 70-30 in the second half, really. So I think it it evened itself out basically over two halves because they were definitely the the stronger side for good portion. I will say good portions of the second half, but we definitely had better possession numbers in, in that first half. 28th minute, Dembele floated in a ball over the top of United's defense for Ryan Christie, who tried to loop in a shot over Fodderingham, but Wes is there to make the save on the line. Again, good stuff because, I mean, a lesser goalkeeper would have carried that ball into the, like, over the line and it would have been a goal. Mm -hmm. For sure. 29th minute, one of United's best chances of the half. Travers cleared the ball, but only as far as Sander Berge, and he puts in a ball for Fleck just outside the box. He's brought down, but not before he gets the ball to Morgan Gibbs-White, who touches the ball for McBurney, who takes a shot that is blocked, and it just goes over the net. And that ball had eyes for goal if it hadn't been blocked. I mean, that was probably going to be a goal. Yeah. Last ditch defending in Bournemouth and took the deflection, took the ball or the goal. Or it, yeah, it, it definitely would have went and we would have been up one nil. But of course, it goes over the over the bar. Yeah, yeah, bad luck. I mean, that was that was Lloyd Kelly, wasn't it? Who who got in there and defended that? I'm pretty sliding, sure slid in there and and deflected it. Yeah, he he had a great game too. Yeah, he was fucking everywhere for them. He was. 31st minute, Ryan Christie, after receiving a pass from Jefferson Lerma on the right-hand side, cuts into center and takes a shot from about 24 yards out, give or take, and it is an easy save for clean sheet Wes. 33rd minute, Christie again had a shot from much further out, probably 30-some-odd yards, and it sails way high, always rising. 36 minute Wes had quite a bit to do in that first half including defending against an oncoming Solanke who after a poor pass back came out to clear a ball that Solanke was mere feet from and he took he took a heart like a almost a rugby tackle from Solanke who should have been given a yellow in my humble opinion for that a very cynical challenge I don't yeah. care I don't care if like you know his momentum took him into Wes or whatever you should still be able to pull up there yeah, right. I mean, I said the same thing because that was after, like, you know, we've already talked about in this first half the the number of fouls that we committed. And at this point, we had Stevens and Fleck. Fleck had just got nailed with a yellow card, and then Solanke goes down there and fouls Wes, and there's the referee just says, hey, it's, it's just a free kick. That's it. I agree with you, and it should have probably been a yellow card. 38th minute, Dembele tried a shot from outside the box that missed to the left. And then into first half stoppage time, United win the ball and Fleck put in a 40-yard pass on the ground for Morgan Gibbs-White right right up Main Street. And he played it to McBurney, who played it back to Morgan Gibbs-White. And Travers makes an unreal save with one hand to keep the score level. Yep, that's... 
That's what I knew we were going to struggle. It's just like when you have a bang-on chance, man, when you have a bang-on chance. How many times, though, have we talked about it this year that, you know, last-ditch save, a one-on-one? and We, we seem to not be able to score one-on-ones because I, I can go back this season, I believe I can think of two that Sharp had that both of them were saved. It was him and the goalkeeper, and both of them were saved. They didn't slot them home. It's like you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Disappointing to be sure. That was the end of the first half. And, I mean, what were your thoughts after that first half, Chad? Well, I mean, based on how we finished, I was thinking, okay, we're looking good. But I was also saying to myself, I think we're going to draw this game. If not, give up a late goal or a Bournemouth goal at some point in the second half. And, you know, but like I had said earlier, I thought we had played good. We were solid at the back. You know, we had a couple of chances. The one thing is we didn't have anything on the scoreboard. So I knew we were going to go in and try and change it coming out in the second half. And hopefully we could have got a goal, but we all know the result. So that didn't happen. Yeah. And into that second half, very early on, United conceded a corner kick and Bournemouth played it short. Fleck got onto it and then cleared it where literally every lad from primary school age is told not to clear it which is across his own goal mouth and you're thinking what are you doing dude honestly i don't know who was up there for bournemouth i think it was probably solanke was up there all he had to do outstretch a a toe and that thing's going in there because it literally flashed by and the the commentator on the, the the game he's like what is he doing i was like I thought maybe he got confused and he was trying to put like a still like thought we were going into that, that goal and just crossed it because he blew it in there. And I was like, if Bournemouth got a player, got to that, that would have been the giveaway of the season. Yep. Well, thank goodness. Nothing came from that. And then the first real chance of the second half for United uh, came off of a corner kick played short by Fleck to Morgan Gibbs-White. He sends in a ball and finds a wide open Ben Davies who just heads it over. I mean, you have to, yeah, he should have done better. He has to do better there. I mean, he was absolutely wide open. Yeah. Uh, that's when I knew it started, uh, you know, we had the chance missed at halftime and they come out and we have one missed. And it's just like, why can we never score these wide open goals? Yeah. Why? Why? It's so easy. Well, at least I think it is. I don't know. Hard knowing, not knowing. Yeah, I think he jumped and I mean, he just made con. He made contact with the top of his head, and that's why it went over. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, look, Ben Davies. He's not a noted goal scorer. You know. It's true. true. He has he has the one on the season, but still, that was scored with his foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As we previously mentioned, the refereeing in this game was absolutely horrific. And the linesman on the near side from where the SUTV cameras were placed was particularly bad. At one point, Dembele clearly dribbled out of bounds and everybody was waiting for the flag to go up to indicate as much, but like it was play on and thank God nothing came of it um, or United would have had like a ton of stick for for that linesman. But yeah, I mean, terrible, terrible. That was, yeah. That was embarrassing. The whole of the freaking ball was out. I mean, that was clear as day. 
you could see from as far as those cameras cameras were that the ball was way over the line. It's like, come on, dude. Like, come on. This is legit. If they would have took that down there and scored, that would have been a robbery of the century. But then, you know, what probably would have happened if they would have gave that, didn't call that, and they go down and score, the Gibbs-White penalty would have got called because that would have been like, we owe you one, and it would have finished 1-1. Yep. Yep, definitely. Then not much happened until the 69th minute. Nice. As after a clear out from Travers, Egan heads it a good 30 yards for McBurney. And I think it's a Bournemouth player who puts in a wonderful little flick for Morgan Gibbs White, who is in. And then Travers comes out, makes himself big and the law firm just smashes it off of him like a little dink over the top and he would have scored. So frustrating. Yeah, how many times has he he's chipped it and they've saved it? This would have probably been an opportunity to chip it and it probably would have went in, but just slammed it right into him. Yep, yep. And then I also want to briefly highlight that man, Philip Uremovich, who, spoiler alert, was my man of the match in this game. He had a cracking game. I mean, he put in a last-ditch slide tackle on Dominic Solanke after Solanke looked to be in. And he's some player. If we can't get Bash back the rest of the season, I'm glad we have uh, Philip with an F, as you like to call him. Yep. Oh, yeah, Philip with an F did play very good. Solid, solid workmanlike performance, you know. And I believe he was the man of the ma- the United man of the match yesterday, maybe. I think. Maybe. No? Maybe. I thought he was. I think he was from the club. It, I think that might be right. I, Morgan Gibbs White, I think, also probably was in, was in the mix there. Yeah, he always is. But yeah, Philip with an F, good good game. And you know, it even if Bash does come back, it might be hard to take that spot away from Philip with an F. You know, Agreed. he might he might have solidified the the spot the rest of the the season because at this point, you know, Philip with an F is probably still gonna start Reading, and then the the Easter Monday game. Against Bristol City, he'll probably play that, barring, you know, hopefully knock on wood, he doesn't get injured. But if Bash comes in or were to come back, you know, then you're messing with that chemistry in the back line. You know, I I understand those guys have worked together before, but, you know, why change a, a good thing right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you there, Chad. 79th minute, a short corner is taken to Christie, who drives to the byline and puts in a cross into the box for Phillips, who heads it to Lloyd Kelly, who takes a touch shot that is just high and to the right of of net. Close, very close for Bournemouth there. And then arguably the most controversial moment in the game came in that 85th minute as the ball came in over the top for McBurney, who put a little touch on it to Morgan Gibbs-White, who tries to control it but is kicked almost properly in the groin by, I think, Nathan Phillips. Of course, no penalty is called. Should have been a pen. It was a stonewall pen, and we tweeted as much right after it happened. A million people have talked about it. It's just it's just a disgrace, man. I mean, and it's the, the whole thing is, is I get it if the ref wouldn't have saw it, but the dude is looking right at the play. How do you not see him kick him right in the nuts? That is the most deliberate penalty I've seen in a while, not called. And it's like, what are you looking at? What are you watching? But, hey, you know, 
it happens. It, it happens. We've we've been on the wrong side of that a few times. So, yep. I mean, it won't be the first. It's not the first time. It won't be the last that we get robbed of one. But it it is what it is. You just got to play. You got to you got to play on. And it's not like we didn't. We're only relying on that one instance as our only chance. We had two to three chances where we should have scored. We should have. We should have put these guys out of their misery. Yeah, 100%. I mean, our chances were way better than theirs overall. And this is a game we should have shut the door on, but we couldn't. And the last, you know, right at the death, I mean, this is another pure example of us not taking our chances. Deep into stoppage time, Morgan Gibbs-White won a free kick in the attacking end after being fouled by Lloyd Kelly. Kelly got a yellow, and then Connor Hurahan took the free kick. It found Osborne. He played a pass backwards to Norwood, who passed to Hurahan. Hurahan put in another cross for Ben Davies, who headed to a wide, a wide open Uremovich, who took a shot that just went wide to the left. So frustrating. I mean, can you imagine the scenes if Uremovich would have slotted that home? Uh, I mean, that would have been absolutely nuts, but that was also one of the most ugliest shots I've ever seen attempted in my life. You can tell he's a defender, and he doesn't really know how to use his feet in a shooting aspect, more so as a passing aspect, but... That place, the roof would have been ripped off of that place if we had nailed it right at the at the end. That would have been so awesome. But obviously, it wasn't in the cards for us, and, you know, we move on. We take our lumps. It wasn't because, you know, when we did our previous podcast that we didn't release, I, I predicted us to lose 1-0. So the fact we got a draw, I'm okay with that. And now we got to get – now it comes a what on paper looked as an easier run of matches here to wind down the season. So we got to bag those. We've got a majority of our tough games out of the way. Let's bag up these easy wins and, you know, cement ourselves in this playoff picture. Yeah. Five games left in this season. We have to win four out of the five, in my humble opinion, to keep in, in this playoff race. That's very That's very possible, you know. I I tip us for probably, you know, fingers crossed, going and winning all these games. And like me and you talked pre uh, earlier before we started recording, this this game against Reading that we're going to cover here in a few minutes, we need to go beat these teams and beat them convincingly to get our goal differential up. Because with it being so tight, we've got to get a good goal differential so these teams can't leapfrog us and we get knocked out of and we miss the playoffs because we have enough points, but we just don't have enough goal differential so that that's key down the stretch here absolutely absolutely right you are chad so before we get into our preview of our game against reading this friday who is your man of the match chad um i'm gonna go with wes i mean he really didn't have much to do but there's something to be said about 17 clean sheets on the season and what what is this got to be like 14 for him yeah maybe 13 something like that so, I mean, it's just impressive on on his week in and week out. We, I mean, we all doubted him. We all doubted him throughout the season, like when he came in. After Ramsdale went out, the whole deal with the Olsen, we almost found like a diamond in the rough, you know? It's Absolutely. it's nuts. It's nuts. And that's what I that's what I like. I'm, I'm glad. So, United does their best with sending like appreciation posts out with Appreciation West posts. But, man... 
United sent an email out last week for your player of the year, and I was tempted to to vote for him. Although, I mean, we, we're all going to know who's probably going to win that, but the dude has played good, man, and he's my man in the match. That was a long-winded answer, but... No, no, I, that was great. I, I I agree with everything that you said, including, you know, potentially voting for him for, for player of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's up there. I, it's, it's him and the law firm. It, I mean, it has to be, right? Yeah, that's it. My man of the match was Philip Uremovic. I, I thought yeah. he I thought he was solid, very, very solid in the back. And that tackle on Solanke, I think, alone probably saved the game for us. It did, yeah. That was Philip with an F played very, very good. So on we go this Friday. We have another game against Reading. It's at the lane, and it is a 3 p.m. British summertime start. And Reading. They have been on meh, up and down form recently. Uh, their last game yesterday, they lost 2-1 to Cardiff at home. They beat Stoke at home before that 2-1. They drew Barnsley away. And then they beat Rovers at home 1-0. And then before that, they drew Bournemouth. So, um, you know, they beat a couple, uh, they've beaten drawn a couple of good teams, but they're still sitting you know, almost in the relegation zone, just outside of the relegation zone at this point. They're fighting for their lives, so they're certainly going to be up for it this Friday. And, Chad, who um, are their danger men? Of course, their their striker leads them with seven goals this year, which isn't much for, you know, you're, we just played Dominic Solanke, who had like 20-something, I think 23 goals in the season. Lucas Joao has, has seven, and they have the likes of – you know, John Swift and Tom Ince, who, funny enough, his dad is the coach. Paul Ince just took over a couple of weeks ago, and they've done enough to get results to where I think almost mathematically they're within, what, one or two games of being mathematically safe, but they're eight points clear of Barnsley. So I, I think they're safe. I think this is almost a, a Reading team that's going to be – kind of a little bit on the beach, but they still have something to play for. But if, if they were to blow a eight point lead and get relegated, they would definitely shock me. But it's crazy to see that John Swift has 12 go- or 11 goals for him and 13 assists. So everything goes through him. And, you know, so that's, that's their key guy that we have to stop their midfielder. And, you know, when you come in in the midfielders, the top goal scorer on their team, mm, we, we got to slow him down, but I'm going to like us. I'm going to like our chances to win this game Friday because, I mean, if anything, we can score because they've conceded 77 goals this year. So that's a lot of damn goals. So we, odds are we're probably going to score. I don't know who's going to score, but chances are we'll probably be able to get a goal. And I want at least three, if I'm all honest. Yeah. I mean, three goals would give us – would that put us on 15 – plus 15 goal difference. So that's good. And I mean, albeit hopefully we get a clean sheet as well, but yeah, I think I like our chances in this game. How do you see United lining up? It would be really hard to, to change what we just put out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we, we're going to have six days since our last game. So it'd be really hard to take the back three. I mean, I think you roll with that team. Yeah. I mean, I don't make one change. Maybe 
I don't. Stevens played good enough to hold his spot. I think so too. In my opinion, I don't think you make any changes. Yeah, for my money, I don't see any really any changes in this game. I Billy Sharp's not going to be coming back. He probably won't be back until after the Easter holiday game. Maybe, maybe, and that's if he comes back. You know, before our final game against Fulham. I mean, by all indications, it doesn't seem like there's a timetable to really get him back. I mean, he's been training apparently, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if we're going to see Billy until maybe the last game of the season. Hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe it's one of those things where we train him and keep him, you know, keep his energy up. We make the playoffs and have Billy for the stretch run in the playoffs. You know, I, I would take a, a healthy Billy Sharp to get us three games to get us up. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think Hecky's almost zeroing in, in on his best 11 team with, you know, five games left. And, and all honestly, we don't have too many other players that we can chop and change. And we don't want to go into that well where we're getting the kids back in the side. So I think Uramovich has cemented his spot until someone can come in and you know almost dethrone him. I think yeah. I think we we've got a good side for the run in. Obviously, you know, no striker has scored or we haven't had a striker score a goal in however many games. So that's our big glaring weak spot. But other than that, we're a pretty solid team. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with everything you just said there, Chad. And I, we will need to get goals from McBurney. I mean, if he's going to continue to start up front, he's going to need to score at some point. And yeah. uh, you have a relatively poor defensive side in Reading this Friday. I think it's a good opportunity for McBurney to get a goal up on the board. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he, he's in, in what? The last two games he's, he's started, he's played good. He's played, he's played really well. He's, He's got into the spaces. He just doesn't have anything to show for it yet. Yeah. And so hopefully, like you said, going up against a weaker Reading side, maybe he's able to get a goal or two. I'd be okay with that. Maybe give me a hat trick. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I'd be I'd be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of which, how about a score prediction for you, Chad? Uh, I want to say 2-0. 2-0. gets one. And Philip with an F gets one to redeem himself from missing the winner against Bournemouth. I like it. I like it. You love your backline goals, man. You yep. really do. I'm going to ride that horse until it finally cashes in, and it has not cashed in very many times this year. I'm going to say 2 0 as well, but I'm going to pick different goal scorers. I think McBurney's finally going to get on, get on the score sheet. McBurney. Hope so. And then a rare goal from Mr. John Fleck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm okay with that. That's, you know, we've got off the, the Norwood getting his goal. Now we're going to go to, now we're moving to the John Fleck train. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll see what happens this Friday. It is a Friday 3 PM start. Like we said, and I think that's just about all the time that we have for this episode of the red half of Sheffield. If you haven't done so already, please Follow us on social media. You can follow us at Red Sheffield on Twitter and at the Red Half of Sheffield on Facebook. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. 
and maybe a little comment about how you think we're doing here. Really appreciate all those reviews, and they definitely help us as we continue to grow the pod. Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also follow me personally at Jarvis underscore 13 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at Nestman930 on Twitter and at SunPuck on Instagram. So until this Friday, when we play Reading at Bramall Lane, up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. Mm-hmm.